How successful is your key account management team? What's the definition that you have for what success is for your business? And how do you measure the performance of your key account managers? If your answer is all to do with growth, then you're probably looking at it too late and you're running a massive risk with your most important accounts. For me, success is a destination, one that's different and personal to each business and for each team. And for every clear destination, there is a path, a route and a map for how to get there. Whether you talk about KPIs, goals, objectives or metrics, we are looking for the early warning signs, the alerts that tell you clearly whether someone is on track for success or way off course. We could think of them as the flight deck of important gauges to give you a clear overview of what is really going on. These important measures and the intelligence that they give us will ultimately provide an opportunity to check against benchmarks and fuel coaching conversations with the team. So if growth is the end goal, what are the measurable and intentional stepping stones that we can track and guide the way? Is it frequency of contact? Customer satisfaction responses? Number of decision makers that we're connected to and actively engaging with? Number of open issues? Is there an active CAM plan on the account? These are all quantifiable indicators that would either comfort you that the relationship with your most important customers is all in order, or it's going to shine a light on the vulnerabilities that present the biggest risks way ahead of time, ultimately giving you time to sort it out. Today on Camcast, I talk to Ian Windle, an award-winning leadership and TEDx speaker, executive coach, and team builder. He's the author of an Amazon bestseller, The Leadership Map, which is the gritty guide to strategy that works and people who care. He works with leadership teams on their strategy, vision, and values, as well as developing their capabilities to perform at their peak. When we spoke, I was keen to get his take on what success looks like in business, how we measure success and performance across all levels of an organization? How do we foster transparency and accountability team-wide in your business? And where to start with KPIs and metrics on a sales and account management team? Welcome to Camcast. I'm your host, David Ventura, a key account management consultant at camguru.com. In this podcast, we explore the strategies, systems, and skills you need for effective key account management. We talk to expert guests and business leaders, sharing the tips, tactics, and techniques for looking after your most important customers. This is Key Account Management Made Easy. So delighted to be joined today by Ian Windle, who is the author of The Leadership Map. I have my copy right here. Uh, (laughs) This is a a brand new book, I guess, that gives leaders and managers a practical guide to strategy and leadership. Ian, I'll ask you to, to give our listeners a bit of an overview in a second. One of the things for me that I've really liked about the style of the book, and, and listeners of this show will know that I love the concept of turning the complex into something slightly more simple. And I think you do a really, really good job at, at that critical component, if you like, of being pragmatic and giving real world advice. So, Ian, welcome to Camcast. Thank you. Tell us a bit about the book. How did it start? And uh, what can listeners or, or readers, if they go and get a copy of the book, uh, expect to get from it? Well, it started, David, and thanks for having me on. It started probably two and a half years ago. I became a speaker with Vistage, going around the country and talking to groups of chief execs and key directors. And what happened was at about the third or fourth session, somebody in the room said to me, Great stuff, Ian. Really love it. But where's the book? 
and, and I hadn't even thought about the book. So it came the other way around, really. I had the content yeah. and I was talking to groups about all the content in the book. And it was somebody saying that. And so I started thinking, well, like, this could be a book because I basically had the 12 areas, which became the 12 chapters. Mm. And I'm a big pragmatist, as you can see from the book. You know, it's, it's full of the tools, the techniques, the ideas, the companies I've worked with over the years, be it big corporates, be it SMEs. That's when I started putting it together. And actually, if, if anyone's thinking of writing a book, the thing you must do at a certain point is find a publisher early on, because if you don't, it drifts. And mm. the big thing for me was getting that publisher who would hold me to account to actually putting, I'm going to say pen to paper, but I never wrote a word. <laughs> I typed them all. Um, so... Yeah, it's been a, a labor of love and probably two years to pull it together. And the, the, but the last six months working with the publisher did most of the work. I absolutely hear you on the whole having a deadline thing. I think writing a book is one of those beautiful examples of making sure if you've got a goal or an ambition or a dream, stick a deadline on it, it's more likely to happen. I know, you know, from my yeah. experience writing, uh, writing the book, it can be very time consuming. And, and at times you just want to give up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you reach a dead end, you know, you're in a chapter and, you know, there were chapters that were favorites of mine that I yeah. managed to knock out fairly easily and others that I had to do more research on and think, is this chapter good enough? yet does it give the the reader enough and so those are the ones where you know you have to keep going until you think you've got something that's good enough camcast key account management made easy well listen i i wanted to dip into one of those chapters today hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about the topic of success. So mm. many of our listeners, obviously, we we are a key account management podcast. We've got sales listeners who are in the role, feet on the ground, working with existing customers and developing those accounts. And we've also got the sales leaders and senior leaders in business who will be looking after those teams. So success is something that they're all striving for. And, and yet, it's also something that's different for all businesses. So mm. I thought the first place we could start was... A definition of success you know we'll get onto how we measure it in a minute but mm. but Ian how would you define the word success for, for businesses well that that is very personal as you've just alluded to and I think it's also becoming more complicated in the current environment we live in I've got some CEOs on coaching who are now looking at sustainability and you know environmental impact yeah. and looking at things like B Corp and deciding, you know, their old measures of success, which were about growth. And I think there is a big danger that we get trapped in this assumption that every business has just got to be growing, you know, as far as big as they can. And I think it will stop some CEOs in their tracks with great questions, say, well, why do you want to grow by 20%, 30%, 40% next year? T mm. Tell me about that. Just, mm. just. Just unpack that. So it varies enormously. I, I think um, I've got uh, you know a lot of lot of people coming around to say it's 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 about a balanced selection of of KPIs, measures, targets. You know, I, I think those are probably the best CEOs who look at actually developing their people. You know, leaving a legacy, having a great culture where people really want to come to work, uh, as well as you know, you need money, you need money, you need profit to create options. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? If you don't make any profit. You don't have the option to invest in your people, to do training and development, to to buy new kit, to launch new products. So there is it's a complicated mixture running a business. And I think it's a very important subject to sit down and, and ask that. 
how do you judge success? It's it's a great one for, you know, as a coach to ask a leader before you, mm. you get involved in that business and say, for you, what is it? But it varies enormously. In common, they will all have, obviously, the standard, you know, uh, uh, growth targets, EBITDA, net profit, and all those things. But the ones that I think really are fulfilled leaders are looking much more from the, as- the aspects of of their people internally, primarily, first of all, which is the thing Richard Branson always used to say, isn't it? You know, start yeah. with your people, and and then and then looking at their customers second, and everything kind of fits around that. If you get the if the people are coming to work, jumping up and down, going, I love working here. It's got a real purpose. I love where we're going. I love the culture. I love the way you care for me as a person. They're going to give more to your mm-hmm. customers, mm-hmm. and suddenly the other KPIs, the other you know, profit figures and, and, and sales figures are going to follow that. So you've got to start in the right places, I think. It's that simplistic model of, you know, happy people create happy customers and who create happy shareholders. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. so the cycle continues. One word that's come up quite a lot there in your in your discussion already is the word targets. And you, know, you talk about having a sort of balanced mix between these things and KPIs and measures and other objectives. Mm. For me, I guess when we think about success in the sales world, mm. targets becomes quite a heavy focus. Uh, Many of the sales leaders that I work with will say, yep, success is whether or not we hit our target. And yet I always remember this, a client saying to me at a session once, you know, trying to focusing too heavily on targets is like trying to win a game of basketball by staring at the scoreboard. And I love that because of course the target is a lag indicator. It tells us where we've got to, not where we are heading. Yeah. So tell us a bit more about the differences between a target, a KPI, a goal, objective, a measure. Mm. You know, how would you mm. define the, the differences? Well, I suppose if you're starting at the top, I always always think you've got to have a context for anything you're doing in business. So if you're if you're the, if you're in the senior leadership team, you're starting with some very basic things, which I talk about at the beginning of my book, which is you've got to, you've got to figure out what your purpose is. Why mm. why does this business actually exist? What's it supposed to be doing? And when you're very clear on that, that 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 will ground you. That will give you some excitement. It help you recruit people. It will it will feed into your pitching for clients. You'll suddenly become really passionate about what it is because you've identified it. And any organisation should be able to do that. It's not something that just is for you know fancy organisations who've who, who've got a, a, an easy purpose, or or it's not just for you know NHS workers who've got a real vocation, a real real purpose. It's for every organisation. Once you've got that, then you need a vision. You need to know what you want to do with this organisation, where you want to go with this organisation, and then when you've got those two, and only when you've got those two, can you start thinking, what should I be doing next year? So without a vision, you can't plan what you're going to do next year. That's the obvious thing. And, uh, you know, too many organizations get together on those, those off-sites in, you know, October, November, December. And so, what, well, you know, what's our planning for next year? Well, mm. where's the context? It has to be the vision, a very clear vision. So when you've got your strategic priorities, which is the, the terminology I'd use for your plans, and there shouldn't be too many of them. They're called strategic for a reason, like key performance indicators. They're called key for a reason. Yeah, so yeah. strategic priorities, probably only six of them. That's my, so, so they're strategic and they're, they're your big priorities. They're the things you're going to do next year. When you figured out what they are, which allow you to go on that journey towards your vision, then you would look at those six and say, okay, those are the six things we're supposed to be doing really well next year. How do we know if we're, if we're going to be doing those really well? Mm. And the only way you're going to know if you're doing those well is, is to put 
keep performance indicators around them, to put some targets in them. And, and when you figure that out, you've got clear accountabilities going down from, so one of those strategic priorities has to have one person accountable for it and not two and not three, no, one. If you've got too many people accountable, no one's accountable. So I think you have to start right at the top. And then of course, going through the organization, you then have to go down. And if you're a head of a department, you've probably got a much bigger mix of targets and measures because you're getting more tactical then as you go down through the organization. Mm -hmm. But they should all be aligning. There should be a hierarchy of measures here that align back up to those key performance indicators at the top. And then if you go right to the ground floor and you start looking at, you know, let's one example is a company I, I work with in, in Guildford called Kelly's, Kelly's Storage, lovely man called Paul Martin, who's the CEO there. And he got every one of his people to start to identify them, not their boss, start to identify what do they affect every day? What do they influence every day? What should their two or three goals and targets be? And this was particularly effective at right at the, I hate to use the word, the bottom of the organization, but you know what I mean. It's the, yeah, the yeah. you know, he was looking at the warehouse staff, the drivers, and it made a huge difference when they had started saying, do you know what, I can, I can affect the route I take to seeing the clients. I can affect the amount of petrol I put in the car and uh, the van and how I drive it. I can affect the NPS score we get when we meet a customer who's getting some of our storage. And so they started then owning them from the bottom up. It should go through right throughout the whole business, I believe, from top to bottom. Um, very strategic at the top, very tactical at the bottom. But everyone needs to see. I mean, it's a very complicated subject. There's a lot more things I'm sure we discuss on this. But in basic terms, you know, I think everyone needs to know, and that's that classic, isn't it? How am I doing? Yeah. And therefore, how are you gonna? How are you gonna judge how they're doing? It, I think the the visibility thing is really really key. I I love it when when an organisation gives absolute clarity and visibility to everyone in the business, whatever level they are, in terms of what's going on. And I and I you know I come back to the title of the book. You know, the leadership map for me, KPIs are part of the map. They're the the journey or the suggested journey to get you to the end destination and i guess i emphasize the word suggested there because we also know that in motivational terms people want to need autonomy and sometimes the suggested route the suggested journey isn't the only route and journey and if someone finds a better way or a different way that doesn't make it wrong but we do have to give people a map we've got to give people a route to follow uh, I suppose a benchmark, a best practice, this is what we know from precedents will work. If you do these mm. things, you're more likely to get to the end result. Mm. Let's talk about the the sort of the KPIs. So yeah. KPIs, key is in there, so they've got to be key. I know in the book you talk about having not too many and not too few. So there's mm. certainly something to be said around the number of KPIs that we, that mm. we have. What, what's your recommendation for organizations thinking, do you know what? Now you say it, our KPIs aren't KPIs at all. They're targets. We talk about the mm. end result. We don't really have KPIs. If anyone's looking at their stuff thinking we're a blank canvas, where should they start? Mm. Uh, how do they sit mm. down and start to work on what are the right KPIs for our business or for our team? I suppose the first thing to say is don't expect to get the right first, first off. Yeah. So be prepared to change them. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, there are, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of looking at it in, yeah, back it, back in the day, there were two guys called Kaplan and Norton, who I know you'll have, you'll have read all about in the old, you know, back, this was 1992, <laughs> Harvard Business Review article, mm -hmm. Measures that Drive Success, and they wrote a book. 
And uh, they came up with a, really the, the balanced scorecard. And from then, people started, you mentioned, um, you know, lag indicators earlier yeah. on. And they came up with the idea that, that measures, KPIs, targets, they have to have a balance to them. So, and I, again, I talked to, we asked earlier when we were talking about the book and about some of the clients who are, are, who are really on top of this. They're looking at people, they're looking at customers. They're also looking at internal processes and systems, and they're looking at finance. Mm-hmm. And those are the four areas that Kaplan and Norton talked about. So I think you have got to break these down and say, are we looking at lag or lead indicators? Have we got enough lag? enough lead if you look at just finance they said if you if you're just putting finance kpis finance targets measures on the table you're looking in the rearview mirror which mm. i thought was you know a lovely way of describing that mm. you've got to have some some um some kpis in there that start looking at well what what would this say if we get this right if this if this if this is going up what will it mean for our business next year mm. if this is going down what will it mean for our business next year you know if your nps scores are starting your net promoter scores are starting to go down then clearly you're going to have a problem with your customers next year or in the, in the coming months. If your internal satisfaction, whether you're doing you know, Gallup Q12 or you're doing a great place to work or you're, or you're doing Times Top 100 or any of these staff engagement scores, again, if they're starting to go down, your people are starting to be affected in the way they think. And so, again, it's a complicated mixture. And the danger is you have too many. You know, the danger is you sit there with a huge dashboard in front of you every month. So you've got two issues here. You've got, you know, I think there's a framework there, which is the balance scorecard. And in my book, I put pages of, of examples that people can call on and look at and go, oh, that might be interesting. And as I go around the country and talk to groups, I always get another one. So that, that isn't exhaustive by any means. You know, there's, yeah. there's ones I learn of every time I move around the country. So yeah, I think there's a framework that says these are four areas we need to be very very good at. And I think on top of that, you come back to those strategic priorities you're going to set for the next year and you say, okay, well, we need to also know what our performance is going to look like against each of those. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a matrix thing you're kind of creating here. And and you're kind of what you're talking about there is data modeling, really. You know, it's sort of looking at what's going on right now and forecasting and understanding what what impact the changes in that data will happen uh, will have on on the future and i guess you know forecasting and data modeling is not going to be new to many organizations we probably do it in order to decide what new products to bring to market and all of that and yet we probably don't focus enough attention on the internal data around what's happening in the role one of the things that you say in the book is about you know the data needing to be useful not just interesting and i find that <laughs> that really important because of course data can be really interesting and yet if it doesn't do anything for us it's a bit pointless well, yeah, what's your take yeah. on on that piece yeah well i found it you know i found this going to some leadership teams i work with and saying so let's look at your kpis as they stand now mm. and um you know, they, they won't all be KPIs, but they'll give me this huge dashboard and I'll look at it and say, why are you measuring that? And I can understand why you might measure it in the whole of the business, but why a senior leadership team when your time is, of, of you know, is really critical? Have you got, you know, 30 measures you're looking at every month and, and why that one at this level? And, you know, they'll look blankly at you and they'll say, well, we've always measured it. We find it really interesting. Mm -hmm. And the danger is it's a bit like when you look at your time and you say, well, actually, if I analyze my time, I spend 10% doing X or Y. You say, why are you doing that? 
oh, I like doing that. You know, I've always been good at that. It's my default setting. It's where mm-hmm. I came from. It's where I was trained. Mm-hmm. And you find that with any CEO, you find that with any, you know, um, key director. And I think the same is true of, of key performance indicators. You've got to, I, I developed some criteria which are, um, kind of to look at them and say, do they fit these criteria? Things like, you know, uh, it's very clear about, you've got to be very clear about what's important and, and, and what's, you know, not important, clearly. Mm-hmm. I think if it's the right ones, they'll drive uh, ownership of the outcomes. You know, if they're too small, you start getting tactical conversations. We know that they will drive behavior. So if you if you if somebody's accountable for a certain KPI or a target, it will drive behavior. The other thing probably to feed in here, again, I do a lot of work working with teams. And if you get the wrong KPIs in there, they can drive silo thinking and too much competitiveness. Yeah. So you've got to be very careful in the, in the overall team about how you're incentivizing that overall top team. Because, you know, one of the things I work a lot with is you know, creating team excellence and using some of the stuff from Lencioni and things like that, the five dysfunctions of a team. And getting people to look at this is your number one team. Your top team is your number one team. Well, if you start to feed in key performance indicators, then you've got to be very careful that they're not driving people to just focus on their own area, mm. saying, well, I, I don't really care about marketing as long as sales is hitting all its targets. You know, that's mm. not going to make for a, a good top team or a successful organization in the long term. Mm. Yeah, useful, not just interesting. Uh, that, that I've talked about that before. Transparency. Well, we've well, about yeah, that. Let, let me, let's ask about the transparency. So I, so I think there's, um, there's one danger of transparency, and that's that when things aren't going so well, it can yeah. potentially lead to fear. So yeah. because some of the transparency is about, you know, KPIs that I myself might not have 100% control over, I might be able to impact or influence slightly. But, you know, like you say, having KPIs that are perhaps marketing, but I'm in sales, so I can talk to marketing and I can see if I can help them. But but really, it's their domain and, and vice versa. But mm. the fact that I might see KPIs, you know, uh, sort of sifting away and, and disappearing, mm. does that then produce fear, which then becomes a contradictory feeling in terms of success you know what 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 do mm. you experience in in that sense well i think if you if you've got the right kpis and i said you know you might look at them a year let down the road and say well maybe that one doesn't tell us what we need and maybe we need another one but let's suppose mm. you've got the right ones there's you know i'm a big fan of jim collins and his work and he says you know you've got to present the brutal facts mm. um but then you've got to combine them with a really positive view of the future and actually you know, fear is just another way of labeling, you know, energy and excitement. And yeah. for me, you know, we saw coming into the pandemic, what happened? People sat there for the first few days and went, oh, my God, this could all fall apart. Mm. But then they turned that round and they went, how exciting. What an opportunity. Let's figure out what we could do. And the businesses I've worked with, um, I've come out of it with new ideas, new models, new products, uh, new markets they're going into, new ways of working, etc. So... I think it's dangerous to think um, we can't be transparent. Um, there's a great book called The Great Game of Business by Jack Slack. I don't know if you've ever come across it. This guy, this guy basically said, we're going to turn all our measures and KPIs and targets into a game that are, and it's comp- going to be completely transparent. Mm. And what what that will happen, and this was his his theory when he started, was that we'll we'll educate people in how a business works. And and it meant that everyone from top to bottom would see everything. Uh, and his goal was 
we want everyone to then share and the part of great game of business is you'd share in the profits everyone would share equally so i know one company who's doing this i'm working with mm -hmm. and the person who earns the least will have the same amount not percentage the same amount of bonus as the person at the top wow and they've put this through their business and the culture's changed amazingly well. And they've got massive transparency. They talk every week about what everyone is doing openly together. They've been doing it on Zoom calls through yeah. lockdown. They do it in different ways when they're not in lockdown. And obviously they've got to get representatives of different parts of the business because they couldn't have everyone on there. Mm. And they've turned it into fun. They've turned it into a game and the massive transparency through the organization. So. And if things aren't going well in an area, let's talk about it. You know, let's get it on the table. Let's see how we can improve that, what's happening here. So I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of let's put the brutal facts in the middle of the table and see what the conversation should be around those. Brutal facts and brutal honesty is, a, for me, a, that's a critical component of a great team. And mm. you mentioned Lencioni there, you know, a big mm. favorite of, of mine, I think that peer-to-peer -peer accountability always stuck with me from from that piece of work it's you know having a culture where teams feel comfortable enough to call each other out in the yeah. knowledge that actually that's the right thing to do and if they don't it needs to be the leader's job and actually it's going to sound a lot harsher coming from them than it does coming from each mm. other so so why not adopt that peer-to-peer -peer? but you talked about the different levels mm. and that sort of top down bottom up and, and all the different parts and dimensions of the business and the kpis are going to look different across yeah. those levels how do we make sure that they you know because if we're giving transparency across the board and across the business mm. There's a danger, perhaps, that some of the KPIs are more important to some levels than they are others, and, and yet we want everyone to feel that they are really, really important. How mm. do we make sure that the level of importance or the prioritization of these KPIs remains consistent across the levels? Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's more complicated, I suppose. As you go down, you've got to make sure that, you know, if you've got head of a department and they're putting their strategic priority together for that department the, and, and, you know, the plans for, together for the next year, and those are going to be a mixture of tactical and strategic at that level. Um, there's going to be more of them. Yeah. Uh, it's the same principles, I think. They've got to have as few as they can mm. that tell them how they're doing. You know, if you came into the cockpit of a plane and you were you were faced with a million dials, yeah. you'd yeah. freak out and run away. So you've got to have only those at the level you're dealing with. So if it's a yeah. departmental level, a team level, an individual level, mm. you you want to start off with a principle that let's start with as few as we can to move this person, this team, this department in the direction it needs to go. Mm. And, and, and as you go down, they get more tactical. As you go up, they get more strategic. You know, it's... I love the flight deck analogy because you're right. If you went into the cockpit of a plane and you see all these dials and everywhere, and and even a pilot probably looks at all those dials and thinks which are the three or four that are the most yeah, important, right? Exactly, um, exactly. And yet we also know uh, as passengers, where's the one place on a plane you'd love to go and have a little poke around? You'd love to have a look. So, <laughs> so the the idea of this flight deck, yeah, and I guess in yeah. the business world we'd call it maybe a dashboard. Yeah. What's the what are the the sort of best ways of achieving that dashboard visibility? But and I guess I'm particularly thinking about organisations who don't have a bells and whistles CRM mm. or ERP. Um, it's amazing how common it is for that not to be the case for an organisation. 
Mm. You know, CRM can be quite a dirty word uh, in businesses for those that are still battling with it. But, you know, those that haven't got the bells and whistles and the dashboard Mm. isn't there. Mm. What's the best way of them getting visibility, uh, have you found? Well, I think, um, I mean, most of my most of my clients are probably using Power BI, you know, uh, in SMEs, uh, Microsoft Power BI, which gives them a lovely dashboard and they can play around and they can get very quick visibility of how the organization are doing. Mm. I do think from a sort of more basic level, if you, you know, you do need to think about that, you know, you start off a business and you start with a few Excel spreadsheets and then you figure out this doesn't work, for, you know, and you've got to get some sort of system and then systems increase in complexity as you get bigger. But something like Power BI, is, uh, even fairly small businesses are using that now I'm working with. Yeah. But on a basic level, I think, goes back to this transparency. You know, if you're sitting there and you're in a team of eight people who, who are in sales or marketing or operations or wherever you are, and you're probably coming together every day for a daily huddle to see what's going to go on in the business. It's very quick. It's telling everyone what's going on and what the issues and opportunities might be that day. And at that point, you're probably not sharing an awful lot. You're just looking very tactically at what's going to actually happen. But then on a weekly basis, I always think you need to have that conversation from the leader involving all the people that says, do you remember we set these annual targets for us as a group? Now, we broker those down by quarter and then by, by, by month. We're actually doing really well at the moment, guys. But there's a few areas that we might not be doing so well in or we can do better in. So that's when you start, I think, relating. And you've got to relate because some people don't get it straight away. And why should they? You know, here's a target. Here's a KPI. What's your role in helping us achieve that? And when people get that aha and they go, ah, oh, so if I do this, that makes that turn, that dial turn, that's that thing go up. So you need to, as a leader, be very you need to use them to communicate better and engage people and educate people in what they can do that hits that hits the dial that moves the dial up and it is it's a what they can do thing isn't it because you know we we're i think in in management and leadership we're quite good at talking about the measure the numbers Mm, and and what mm, it's mm. saying at the moment we're not so good necessarily and i'm perhaps casting a really nasty aspersion on the leadership community but Mm. and and i say so because it's the it's the challenging bit you know it's a actually what do you need to be doing what expectations have i've got of you behaviorally your actions mm, your activities mm. to lead to that i think right at the beginning of your book you, you say you know if you're finding leadership easy then you're probably not doing the right things right? <laughs> and the exactly. most the most complicated thing about leading people is that there are people involved and uh, no, and, no, and, no, and no, we're no. not that good at communicating expectations with right. other people, we, you know, it's, it's easy just to assume that they know what we need them to do. And if they don't do it, we can get angry at them. But did we really set the expectation properly? So how do we link the gap between the number and the behavior that, that's needed? Mm. Have, you, have you got mm. any top, top tips, I guess, in driving the behavioral indicators? Mm. Mm. I guess there are, you know, the, it, it, again, if you look at my book, I've got a whole bunch on the people and there's some stuff there. I think the biggest behavioral indicators and, and, and this is the honest, the hard conversations that leaders need to have regularly so my view on and it's not just my view it's shared by lots of people who i work with is on a weekly basis and gallup will tell you this on a weekly basis you need to be having a conversation a short sharp conversation with every person who works for you so if you have 10 people as direct reports or six you've got to have a weekly conversation with them is that too much no it's crazy to say that's too much and i'm not talking about an hour sit down in starbucks i'm talking about Let's talk about your last week. It was, you did some things really well and there's a couple of things you could probably improve on or whatever it is. 
praise is hugely important. If you praise people, they, they increase their performance. If, if you uh, tell them they're not doing a good job, they normally decrease their importance. So there's lots of stuff around that too. So my view is you do a weekly one-to-one, I call it, very quick, short, sharp. How am I doing? That's the big thing people want to know. How am I doing? But on a monthly basis, you'd probably do a slightly more deep dive, a slightly more deep dive. But it would be on three areas. It would be on how are you doing against your targets, your, your measures, your objectives, your goals? How are you doing? on a maybe you know half a dozen we've set and we've agreed at the beginning of the year how are you doing on mastery which is increasing uh, your specialism doing something that's going to make you better next year and this year and and then how are you doing and how are you behaving against the values of the business so that presupposes mm-hmm. the business have got very clear values laid down mm-hmm. and everyone understands the behaviors that underpin those values now the conversations i have with 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 ceos and, and key directors is rarely about this person can't do their job because they don't have the capability to do their job. It's about the fact they don't live the values of the organization. So if you think that that's one of the big issues we have, if you've recruited the wrong person, they've just gone a bit AWOL during their career, then one of the big jobs a CEO's got to do is have regular conversations to say, look, that thing you did, that way you acted, I think you need to think about how that really fits in line with the values and behaviors. And so, I'd say that's the obvious place to go. It's the communication between you know, the line manager and mm. the subordinate, which is, has to be a very regular communication. And it can't just be about how well you're doing your job. It has to be how well you're behaving yeah. behind the values of the business. Yeah, it's it's that thing about, you know, are the values of the business simply laminated on the boardroom wall or are they lived in the people that are working for you. Um, and I love that. And it is, it does come down to communication. It's about sitting down with people and actually having that that two-way conversation, you know, where are we currently performing against each other's expectations? Um, and it's so important. And yet, if we're being brutally honest with ourselves, it, it's sometimes the bit that falls by the wayside when we get sort of too focused on on the numbers ian mm, mm, uh, this mm. is a really rich topic um as, mm. as as we've said and there's and there are nuances and for every business it's going to be slightly different some mm. listeners might be thinking you know they're still at the point that we started this conversation which is oh god yeah actually when i think kpis i'm really talking about targets and i don't have those other mm. bits so, so we might have some takeaway action for people to go and think about what are those stepping stones what do they actually look like it's time for the camcast killer question there's a part of our show that we have that we encourage our guests to pose a killer question for our listeners now's that Mm -hmm. chance so perhaps ian you've got a question for our listeners that gets them reflecting on this topic and thinking about ways in which they can move their team or their business forward ian what's your killer Mm -hmm. question okay so this is what often happens you go into your leadership team or your team and you say okay over the last 12 months this is how we've done so we've we've grown at 10 percent and let's say we've we've come through the pandemic let's take an example of that you've got your team there they've come through the pandemic they say for the last year guys we've grown at 10 percent let's imagine that's the situation the danger is we sit down with that team we go look uh it's going to be you know we're going to have a better year this year perhaps, you know, but we're putting in a new sort of ways of working. And if we did say 15% this year, we'd all be fairly satisfied. So that would be good. We'd be stepping up again. So let's let's look at how we can achieve 15% growth, achieve our EBITDA and look at how we're going to do that. Too many organizations, in my view, 
have that sort of conversation, which to me would bore the pants off me. Because <laughs> actually what that's doing is saying, go to the gym and just lift a few more weights that you've already lifted. Here's the killer question then. Not how do we go to 15%, but what would we have to do to grow 50% or 100%? Turn the question around. What would we have to do? Now, what happens when you ask that sort of question is people start, going back to this fear, fear you talked about earlier, people start immediately saying, well, hang on, we've only grown 10. You're asking us to grow 50 or 100. Mm -hmm. We couldn't possibly do that. And but actually, that's not the question. The question is, what would we have to do mm. to grow to 50 or 100? So then what happens is, and this is where leaders can play a great role here is, I'm just going to lob that question and leave the room for half an hour or an hour. Mm. And I'm going to come back in. And I want you just to discuss options, ideas. And I'm going to leave and come back. And when I come back, then I want to see what kind of ideas have you had. And you come back in the room, the energy has gone through the roof. People are very excited. They're saying, well, we're a product we didn't go to what about the market we talked about doing mm. um uh what about that company we thought of acquiring that we kind of put on the side burner could we acquire more could we partner more you get a very rich exciting energized group of people thinking yeah. what could we do now what happens as a result of that isn't necessarily that we grow at 50 we might grow at 30 we might grow at 40 mm. we might grow at 200 on the other hand but it comes back to you know how do you measure what you want to do what does success look like for you but I'm a big fan of how do you get energy into a group of people? Yeah. How do you get energy? And you don't get it by saying, let's do more of what we did last year and grow a little bit. That doesn't, that's not where energy comes. It says, look, guys, what, what could we do? Mm. Blank sheet of paper. And it's, it's hypothetically raising that glass ceiling, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Saying, do you yeah. know what? Get rid of the limits. I imagine that no idea is a ridiculous idea. The, mm. the sky literally is the limit and, and let's just think on what, what could be done. I love that. It's a great question. I hope our listeners start thinking about that. Um, if anyone has any great ideas that, that come to mind as answers, do get in touch. It'd be great to hear from some of our listeners. Ian, the, the book is great. Um, the, you know, We've concentrated on one chapter today, particularly pertinent, I guess, to our listeners around how we measure success within an account management and a sales team. But there's so much stuff that, that that's packed in this book in terms of pragmatic advice for, for leaders and managers. Tell listeners how they can find out more about you, uh, about the book you know what's the best way for them to get in touch if they want to it's all on my website uh, ianwindle.com so it's fairly easy to find it <laughs> so that's uh, a ron seal on... job that isn't it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you can go to amazon the books on amazon in uh, kindle and paperback at the moment amazon.co.uk as well as uh, com it's also on every other book site you could you could find so i'm not just trying to plug amazon you'll find it everywhere <laughs> i'm also thinking about the moment now that we're coming out of lockdown to do an audible version so it'd be interesting to see um you know how many people are still using audible i certainly am um so that, that's the plan yeah so uh you know get in touch with me um if you want to ian at ianwindle.com ask me any questions on the book or anything you like and i'll, I'll be ready to respond happy days in we'll put all the details for that on the show notes which of course are camguru.com forward slash podcast thank you so much for for joining us today on camcast ian absolute pleasure thanks for inviting me david camcast key account management made easy so what is the definition of success for you and your team and how are you measuring performance today do you have a map that you are following to guide you, the team and the business steadily on course for achieving your strategic goals in the next 12 months. If you haven't had the conversation around how you're judging success in your business, perhaps that is the best place to start. 
Are you obsessed with targets with little focus on the granular stepping stones, the route to success? Like I said before, focusing too heavily on the target is like trying to win a game of basketball by staring at the scoreboard. For me, learning to lead can be a bit like learning to drive in that no amount of training can prepare you for contact with the real world. If you're finding leadership easy, then you're probably not doing the right things. What are the key things that drive your economic engine? What are your critical numbers? Are you tracking and reporting information that is useful and not just interesting? Do you have a balanced selection of key metrics that support you and your account management team to track the journey? I wonder what reflections that you have on Ian's killer question and whether you have regular dialogue in the business about what we would have to do to grow 50 to 100%. Do you foster creative thinking for those larger ambitions that only come into the conversation when you remove the glass ceiling? I'd love to hear from listeners and know what KPIs you found to be most effective in mapping your way to success. Thank you for listening to this episode of Camcast, a podcast brought to you by camguru.com, one of the UK's leading key account management consulting and training organizations. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with your connections, giving us a review on your chosen podcast app, and letting us know what else you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode. You can find the show notes for this episode on the website at camguru.com forward slash podcast.